just right, and you want everything to be just the way it's supposed to be, whatever it's supposed to be is, right? And if, if it's not the way you think it ought to be, then you kind of get worked up about it. And that's where I was. I was getting all anxious about this. Like, nothing. I, mean, I was getting anxious about absolutely nothing, and it was crazy. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about in this, this week as we talk, look at the Christmas story, uh, particularly angel encounters in the Christmas story, where angels came and spoke to the main characters, if you want to call them that, in the, the main actors in the Christmas story. This past Sunday, we looked at uh, the angel's encounter with Mary and how Mary, had, when, when the angel showed up, it produced anxiety in, in her because it was about what God had asked of her. What God asks of us produces anxiety, right? Whenever, whenever God says, you know, I want you to do this, it's, whether you recognize it being from God or not, we always have this, like, I don't know. If that's, I'm, I don't know if I can pull that off or not, you know? It's... it's it's that whole thing, that, that conversation we have with ourselves that, that, that we decided last week that, that God is actually the one responsible for the outcomes. If God asks me to do something, I don't have to worry about, can I do it? I just need to worry about, can I follow him? And, and he can maybe do it if I just stay close enough to him. We'll see what he can do, right? That was the whole point of it. We're responsible to follow him. He's responsible for outcomes. That's it. This Sunday coming, we're going to look at the angel's encounter with shepherds. But tonight, I wanted us to look just for a few minutes at the encounter that the angels had with Joseph. Uh, how that encounter caused him to, caused a sense of fear to rise up in Joseph as well. And, and for Mary, the source of fear was this, that internal conversation that she had with herself. For Joseph, though, it's something outside of him. It's the other people, it's the conversation with others that creates anxiety in him. Let's start in the, the gospel story, the gospel of Luke. Uh, Chapter 2, you probably know this story by now. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to marry him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for the inn. And I love the way the NIV version of the Bible says there was no guest room. Like, like that was even a thing back then, was a guest room. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, Joseph is going home in this passage. He's going to his hometown with his with his bride, or bride-to-be, we don't know, but she's pregnant, right? And we think this is a great home-going, home-going story, and it's going to be fantastic, but I remember when, when I, my wife, when, when we were pregnant with our son, <laughs> when actually, my, I guess my wife was pregnant with our son, but I take credit for it, too. <laughs> I take credit for it, too. And I remember when, 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 when we were pregnant, and she was getting all kinds, and we were getting all kinds of advice from people, and we went home, and everybody was excited, and it didn't matter if we were home in her family in Annapolis, if we were home down in Mississippi, it didn't matter, but, and family was all excited, they all had advice for us, you know, anybody, you ever experienced that, right, when you had, were having children, the children were in the family, and everybody's got, telling you what to do, and what you ought to do, and how you need to raise them, and, and what, do, they need to go to school, you know, all, people are full of advice, <laughs> People have all kinds of advice to give, and they're more than happy to share it, especially when there's kids involved. I don't know why that is, but that's just the way we're wired, I guess. 
Joseph had the same thing. For me, it was super exciting. The, the, the anxiety was there, for sure, but it was an exciting, it was excitement. It was, yeah, everybody was looking forward to it. Joseph, though, he found himself in a very different situation. He was going home, and it wasn't, it was anxiety, for sure, but it wasn't the kind of anxiety that he had looked for. You see, we're going we're gonna to flesh out where this anxiety came from tonight. Uh, but what Joseph was struggling with was what was the difficulty, and then we often get caught up in it. What, what's the right thing to do, and what's the thing that God wants us to do? What's the easy thing to do, and what's the godly thing to do? What, what, what should we do, and what do we want to do? Right, there's some tension in that. And we're going to look at how Joseph lived into that tonight in the, in the Christmas story in Matthew. So we're going to jump from Luke over to the Gospel of Matthew. If you have a Bible, we're in the, we're in the first chapter of Matthew, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So just for a little bit of background here, an engagement back then was very different than it is now, right? An engagement then was a legal binding deal. The only way out of an engagement back then was uh, divorce or death. That was the only way out. It was, it, was, it was all but marriage except the consummation, you know? So she still lived with mom and dad. He was out building a house for his new family. And it la- the engagement lasted, the betrothal seat time lasted for about a year, year and a half. And then they would consummate the marriage, and they would go off and build a family together. We don't know if it was Mary who told him, um, or, or how Joseph found out about it. I believe it was Mary. And I've, I've kind of played the conversation in my head that they had when, when she broke the news to him. And it kind of went like this. Joseph, you might want to sit down. <laughs> All right, Joseph, I've got some news. Now, now, don't 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 just react here. I want you to listen to me. You need to hear this. Don't don't interrupt me, please, because this is gonna this is hard for me to explain. Joseph, I love you. I can't wait to be your wife. I can't wait to be the mother of your children. But you need to know that I'm pregnant. What? What? Are you, what are you talking about? What do you, what? How does this happen? Never mind, I know how this happens. But Mary, why? Why, why, why did you do this? Joseph, you didn't let me finish. It was the Holy Spirit. It's like my cousin, she will tell you, oh yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, right. I've heard all, this happens all the time. <laughs> this happens all the time. That, you know, we hear about it everywhere, that people are just walking along and they get pregnant. They, no, Mary, this doesn't happen. It's, it's not, I know how this happens. Seriously, Joseph, it was God. I'm pregnant with the Son of God. And we're supposed to call him Jesus. I don't want to hear it. Just tell me the truth, Mary. Just tell me the truth. Who is it? Who's the Father? I've seen how the other guys look at you. I mean, who was it? I mean, if you love me, please just tell me the truth. Mary, I can't believe you would do this to us, to me, to us. To... Why? That's how I think Joseph 
kind of experience this, right? Because in order for Joseph to get from my wife to be as pregnant to it was a miracle, he had to go through this part of the confusion, right? I mean, that was in there somewhere, and I believe that's where we find Joseph right now, that, that Joseph probably, he knew she's either a liar or she's crazy, or maybe both. You know, we don't know, but, but definitely he's in there. He genuinely does not believe her when she says it's a God thing. It's a scene right out of a modern-day drama. Could be pulled out of anywhere today. Some things were different back then, but a lot of things were the same. Back then, you see, Mary could be convicted of a crime for which she had, the way she had broken the engagement. She can be convicted, even killed possibly for what, she, what had happened. And Joseph, well, you can just imagine all the, the thoughts that were going through his head. How his family would be marked for life. Not just his family with his children, but his dad and his mom. And their whole family would kind of go through this embarrassment of what had been done. The whole family would be stained. There's no way his father was going to bless this marriage. Who would? No one's going to hire him. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be ostracized. He's going to be the joke or a punchline from now on. Hey, did you hear about Joseph's wife? That's not really his son, you know. See those eyes? Doesn't look a thing like him. That's what the conversations were going to be. All these thoughts are swirling around in his head, right? What should he do? Should I stay? Should I go? Should we break up? But I love her. What am I going to do? So Joseph decided the best thing he could do. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. To divorce her quietly. See, Joseph was a, was a righteous man. Joseph was a, a, a good man, right? He, he followed the law of Moses. He, was, he, he, did the, he lived the right ways as far as a Jewish man was supposed to live. Divorce was available to him because of situations just like this. He was faithful to the law. Sure, he could, he could make a stink about it and have her tried and all that. He could do all that, but he loved her. He loved her. Just because she had broken his heart didn't mean he wanted to hurt her. The best thing to do was just keep it quiet. Just keep it quiet. Yeah, that would mean divorce, but that would be the best for everybody. It just made sense to everybody. His whole family would tell him it just makes sense. You go your way, start over. Just start a new life. Then the angel showed up. Then the angel showed up. In verse 20 of chapter 1, after he considered this, after he determined to, well, I'm going to get a divorce. and I'm going to go sleep on it, right? The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. You see, the Messiah had been promised for centuries. For centuries. It would be awesome if it were true for Mary and for Joseph. Do you think it could be true? I mean, the angels certainly seemed to believe that it was, this was the way it is. But Joseph still asked, if I do this, if I marry Mary, 
this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. My family will never understand this. I'm not even sure I understand it. This divine dream was, was proving a reality that you and I both know to be true. And that is that when we're consumed with what people think about us, we forget what God thinks about us. Say that again, because you need to hear it. When we're consumed with what others think about us, we forget what God thinks about us. Well, we know how the story ends. Joseph and Mary. Mary. (laughs) He did name Jesus, in fact. That was an act of kind of claiming him as his son, right? Even still, their life wasn't happily ever after. In fact, Joseph was right. All the the hardships that were to come happened. All throughout the Gospels, if you read them and you pay attention to it, you'll see that, that Jesus is always referred to as Mary's son. You know, Mary. You know, wink, wink, with a nod. You know, Mary. That one. That's his mom. But they endured the hardship. Because it was what they felt God had called them to. Proving a principle that, it, that you find true as a disciple of Jesus. And that is that pleasing God often means disappointing other people. That's why the angel encounter was a blessing to Mary and Joseph. You see, the angel reminded Joseph that when he stays focused on what God thinks, what others think is, becomes irrelevant. When he stays focused on what God thinks, what others think doesn't really matter anymore. This might apply to your life. You might face troubles for following God at work or in school, in your family. You might face troubles for following God at your, at your workplace. The choices you make because of your faith will often result in jokes and gossip and the little barbs that people throw out because of Oh, the Holy One is in the room. <clears throat> I remember when I first became a Christian, I, de- I decided, determined, that I'm going to fast for lunch every day. I'm going to take every day my lunch break, and I'm just going to take my Bible, and I'm going to go down to the city dock in Annapolis, and I'm going to memorize Scripture and, and fast lunch. I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to consume God's Word. And the jokes I endured at work, and that was family, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it's real. They probably didn't mean anything by it, but it stung just the same. You know what else? Everything the angel promised came true, too. Their son changed the world. Life may have been difficult, but the result of their obedience made all the pain worth it. Made all the pain worth it child of a teenage mom saves the world. In life, nothing of real significance comes without hardship. Nothing. Nothing. There's no reason to expect matters of faith to be any different. We can expect if it's going to be significant, it's going to be difficult. Think of it, though. Through the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph, the world has been changed forever. Forever. A baby born in a manger. 
would be the savior of the world. If you tried to script it out, you, 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 just, you couldn't come up with that storyline. And in real time, Mary and Joseph, they had no idea the choices, the decisions they were making at the time. They had no idea that this angel encounter they'd had were, were, was determining their future. All they did was simply obey a call they got from God. They didn't know the, the outcome. They didn't know what was coming. It, proves a, it shows a very big point that, that ordinary obedience always precedes extraordinary acts of God. Ordinary obedience precedes extraordinary acts of God. We said on Sunday that, that it's, it's the outcome is God's responsibility and our responsibility. Obedience is mine. God's in the outcome department, right? Mine is just the obedience part. The angel Joseph, the angel gave Joseph a preview of what was to come. Told him that this son you're going to have is, is going to be the savior of the world, right? I mean, he told him. We don't always get that. We don't know what's going to come out of the choices that we are, that are put in front of us. The, the sense that God calls us to something, that he kind of speaks to us and, and tells, moves us in one direction or another. We don't know what's going to result out of that. Fortunately, Joseph, they, they knew. In April of 1999, I, got a, I felt a call on my life just to stop by my home church after work and pray after some kids had shot up their high school in Columbine, Colorado. I had no idea the significance of that night on my life. I just felt like I needed to stop and pray. A group of folks here in our church started to pray about how to minister to the kids in our community. I had no idea that it was going to wind up with a Wednesday night program like that started. Another group of folks from here in our church just started praying about how to, how to minister to the, the aging in our community so they don't, they're not just stuck at home, lonely and, and depressed. How we can give them some fun and what it's turned into. Nobody knew the outcome of that. They just knew that let's just, let's just meet to pray and to talk. Figure something out. Ordinary obedience precedes extraordinary acts of God. God blesses it just by just obedience, just simple obedience. God blesses. Before the first Christmas, an angel invited Joseph to take his part in what God was doing. Invited him. Joseph responded. And we might say Joseph just kind of stumbled into Christmas. He didn't, Joseph didn't set out to be a part of Christmas. He just kind of fell into it. It's kind of, that's the way a life of faith is a lot of times. You just kind of fall into stuff. You just fall into blessings. It's just, you're just kind of doing what God asked you to do, and before you know it, wow. Matthew one twenty four. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife. It's obedience. Just a simple act of obedience. Christmas, you see, is an invitation. Not just for Mary and Joseph to be a part of what God is doing, but to each and every one of us. To each and every one of us, you and I, to, to trust, to believe, to, to follow Jesus, no matter where he might be leading us. It's an invitation to come and follow Christmas is about celebrating the reality of, of God come to earth and inviting us. 
It's not about mistletoe and trees and gift-giving and family gatherings. While those are all great, we know that's not the point. It's the Son of God who came to be an invitation for you to live into a relationship that God had prepared for you in advance. Christmas, this Christmas, for you, might be an invitation for you to just, to simple obedience. And you have no idea what it might lead to. Maybe God is calling you just to believe. To believe. Just simply believe. Not, not believe like, okay, Jesus was born, I get it. Not, not to believe like that, but believe. Life-changing belief. The kind of belief that reorients your priorities. That reorients the way you see the world and where you fit into it. Believing like that. Maybe this Christmas is an invitation to you to step into your role in your family. To step into your role in your family or in your work as a disciple of Jesus. That you've been keeping your faith private for some time. You sense God asking you to live in boldness, confidence, to live out loud with your faith, inviting your family and friends and co-workers into a relationship as well, praying for them, asking them about their faith, like, like being open about who you really are. Maybe God is asking you to step out, to wear your, your team colors somewhere besides around the house on Sunday, right? To wear them out seven days a week. Or maybe this Christmas is about an invitation for you to invest in someone else. Maybe you've been a a consumer Christian for a while. You've been consuming faith. And you feel God maybe calling you to invest in somebody else. Maybe there's a, a, a kid in your neighborhood who doesn't have a dad at home. Plenty of those around. Maybe it's maybe it's a neighbor whose parents are have deceased or live far away, and uh, they need somebody to watch out for them, or to, or to parent them. Who knows? Or maybe it's someone you know who's going through something that you've already gone through, or that, that you are very familiar with, that you can help them through. Maybe God's asking you to invest in someone else. Wherever it is that God is calling you this Christmas, wherever he's inviting you this Christmas, remember that if he's inviting you to something, your only responsibility is to follow. He's responsible for the outcomes. And also remember that ordinary obedience always precedes extraordinary obedience acts of God. I'd like to pray for you. God, we thank you for this Christmas. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came and lived to be a model for us. But he was so much more than just a role model. He lived for us. He died for us. To show us who we were created to be the relationship that we were created to have. God, I ask that everyone here would leave tonight 
hearing the invitation. And God, I pray that they'd respond to the invitation that you have for us, whether it's to, to, to cross the line of belief and to surrender our lives to you, God, whether it's to, to hear the, the, the call to, to live our lives boldly and confidently, that we can go public with our faith. Or Lord, there's some here that have been, who've been knocking it out of the park for years, Lord, in their faith. They've been walking with you for a long time, and now is the time for them to start to invest in somebody else pull others up, to show others hope. God, all this is the invitation that comes at Christmas. You gave us your son Jesus for a reason. So that we might become the people that you desire us to be. We love you, Lord. And thank you for your presence here among us tonight. Amen. Amen. So we're going to share in Holy Communion tonight uh, together. Uh, if you've never done that before, if you're not a member of the, United, of the Methodist Church, uh, it's fine. You're welcome here. Uh, we